to The Baton, a John Williams musical journey. Join host Jeff Cummings as he takes you through the career of the illustrious film composer John Williams, starting with his debut in 1959 through more than 100 films in 60 years. This episode looks at the 1961 film The Secret Ways. Now, here's your host, Jeff Cummings. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for joining me today. We're up to the fourth original score written by the famous film composer John Williams, and that film is the 1961 international drama The Secret Ways. You know, I wish I could tell you this is a good film, but it really does suck in so many ways. It doesn't even meet the level of any of his previous three films, which at least had plots that were engaging and easy to follow. I'm not really sure what the message of the film is, and I wasn't really sure what the point of the film was in general. It's based on a book by Alistair MacLean called The Last Frontier, and the star Richard Widmark also produced this film, which meant he really thought it would be a great story for a movie. Now, I would have agreed with Widmark on that point if I could actually understand this story. The real problem with the movie is that we aren't educated on the history of the revolution taking place in Hungary in 1960 when the film is set. We don't know anything about our main character, an international freelance something or other named Mike Reynolds, played by Richard Widmark. We don't know why the person Mike is hired to smuggle out of Hungary is so important. And we have no clue whatsoever how people know Mike is looking for this person, and that definitely had me confused on more than one occasion. I'm going to do my best to give a brief synopsis of this film, and be warned, there are spoilers ahead. So, Hungary was still reeling from a student-led revolution to overthrow the communist regime, a revolution that started and actually just took place for like four months in 1956, and when this movie takes place in 1960, everything was pretty much quiet except that people were still trying to cross the border over into Austria, but they were killed if they attempted to do so. Some managed to escape, though, and that's what we see in the opening scene as two people are pulled unconscious from a river, but with no backstory, it has no meaning. We will see one of those people later, but this scene will never be mentioned to help give some history to the proceedings. I think we fast forward to a short time later when Mike Reynolds arrives in Switzerland at the request of someone who apparently has some influence. Who is he? We don't know. But he wants a man named Yanchi out of Budapest quickly, and only Mike Reynolds can do it. With Mike struggling to pay some debts, he takes the job. Yanchi's daughter Julia escaped to Vienna, but wants to go back to Hungary to get her father. So, Mike and Julia take the train to Budapest, and after some hiding in the shadows, Mike is taken to Yanchi. Mike convinces Yanchi to leave with him on a plane to Vienna in two days, but some people who are looking for Yanchi speed up the plan, and everyone tries to escape a day early. Who are the people looking for Yanchi? Apparently, it's not important, or at least the filmmakers don't think so. Or at least not important enough to at least say who they are. Or at least give some you know, lengthy speech about, this is who I am and this is my plan, which is what a lot of evil people do in movies. So they just hire some actors to look evil because every film has to have an antagonist to keep our hero from achieving his goal. There's a weird sequence that takes place in what I believe is a Nazi concentration camp, at least it looks that way, and that's where Yanchi and Mike are drugged and tortured. But before they are killed, they are somehow rescued in the most unbelievable way possible. And in the end, everyone who matters gets on a plane to Vienna. 
You could tell this film had no direction, and the issues Widmark had with director Phil Carson is quite evident. Many of the scenes don't connect, and as I said before, we aren't made to care much about the people in this story. So their survival at the end doesn't feel very satisfactory except for the fact that the film is finally over. You have to remember that in 1961, John Williams still doesn't have the clout to refuse any picture that comes his way. He was still plugging away with the goal of getting that kind of name recognition his award-winning colleagues had. At the time of the release of The Secret Ways in March 1961, John Williams' music was being heard on TV sets around the country, particularly with the main theme for the detective show Checkmate. And here's the chilling opening theme music. Television was a very attractive medium for composers. Sometimes you're writing the equivalent of a feature-length film score each month, and the money was very attractive. And when you're young and looking to break into the medium, composers such as John Williams didn't mind all the work. Checkmate was, at this time, Williams' most popular work. And it was a historic job for him, as it marked the first official time his music was commercially released. The record for Checkmate included a recording of the original theme and some score cues such as this. It has a very jazzy flavor to it, which, as I mentioned in previous episodes, was the popular music genre of the time, made so by Williams' close friend Henry Mancini on Peter Gunn and other TV shows and movies. Though Williams was finding a little success with Checkmate, he kept some of his attention focused on any films that needed a composer. The idea of writing music for a movie called The Secret Ways and set in Hungary seemed too good for John Williams to pass up. However, when it came time to watch a cut of The Secret Ways with the director, there was probably little inspiration for John Williams to compose a score of any substance. He probably threw his hands up after watching it and said, either out loud to himself, I don't know what to do with this. But he does pretty well with what he's given, and it's an exercise for him to write decent music for a not-so-great film. And this won't be the last time he has to do this. Williams chooses to see this picture as a film noir, especially with all the dark corners and people hiding in shadows. Williams essentially puts music coloring into many scenes with low strings and woodwinds. As you'll hear, he has a lot of fun with the strings in this film, especially to emphasize all the sneaking around that takes place. 
Let's start our analysis of the score with the main title sequence. It takes place after that unexplained killing of human smugglers at the Austria-Hungary border. It's nearly four minutes of pretty good music, and let's hear how it starts. the piano and bass here and it's a great melody. We'll hear it in bits and pieces throughout the film. Underneath the melody played by piano is another theme on French horn. Pay attention to it. It'll come back very soon. As the credits continue, the mood lightens as Mike Reynolds lands in Zurich. just heard that secondary theme played on French horn there, and now the mood will go back to playful and light. our main theme once more before the two melodies reconnect.
film composers must love it when they see a film with long opening credits. That's basically carte blanche to write music with little to no dialogue interfering. As we heard in I Pass for White, and as we will hear many, many times throughout his career, John Williams sees this opportunity and writes music that is meant to be memorable, even if we only hear it for a few more minutes in the actual movie. I'm sure he had a lot of fun creating those two themes and weaving them together. It reminds me of many future films he will do that have a main theme and secondary theme that are almost interchangeable. I'm talking about Superman and Schindler's List in particular. So let's move on to about six minutes later where Mike Reynolds has accepted the job to recover Yanchi from Hungary. But first, he has to find Yanchi's daughter in Austria. Mike spends a lot of time walking around Vienna. What the purpose of these scenes are is lost on me because there isn't much advancement in the plot. But we get a nice treatment of the secondary theme that sort of paints a wonderful picture with the visuals of the city of Vienna. As you notice, the melody is played by different parts of the orchestra. It keeps the music lively and interesting, even if the scene has no direction. Later on, after a very weird scene involving a sexy blonde woman in a restaurant and another with a man who has been following Mike around town, a car shows up and chases Mike down the street. I'm going to say about the actual scene is it could have ended in three seconds if Mike had ducked into an alley instead of running down the street with the car easily able to follow him. What I like about it musically is that the tension builds until Mike goes into a full sprint down the street. The cello and flute have a nice melody going that picks up in tempo at the right time. I'm going to play the first part of the scene again and I think you'll find that the mood of the music sounds familiar.
Still doesn't sound familiar? Maybe this will jog your memory. Okay, okay, I'm probably reaching with that comparison, but it's nice to see that John Williams reads the scene well and doesn't let the music go crazy until absolutely necessary. Mike has met the daughter of his target, and only after I watched the film a second time did I realize that this woman named Julia was one of the unconscious people pulled from the river at the beginning of the movie. No mention of that scene, though, and that's just one reason why this film feels disjointed. Very few dots are being connected. But as I said, the music makes this movie more than worth watching. Maybe not a second time as I did, though. In any case, Julia and Mike agree to meet under a bridge at night. It's funny that in a city as large as Vienna, there doesn't appear to ever be anyone out and about at night. Just the characters who are important to the movie. Anyway, Mike is waiting, and while he's waiting, a mysterious man approaches him. This is when we get a brief reprise of the main theme. And that's it for Significant Underscore for the next 30 minutes or so of the film. There are brief cues here and there, but again, Williams is just coloring in the scenes, trying to elevate them as best he can. We return to something interesting the first night that Mike is in Budapest. He's beaten again, kidnapped, and taken to a cellar. You'll hear the return of our main theme on the piano for just the third time in the film. Those strings rise and stop on cue as the man from Vienna who Mike saw on the bridge arrives. But I think the music should have kept going for about 15 more seconds when Yanchi, the man Mike is hired to bring to Vienna, enters the cellar. That's the true reveal that would have had more heft if the music continued. So also Mike is being followed by another group of people in Budapest. I have no idea who they really are, but they are upset when Mike returns from his secret meeting with Yanchi, and to play it off, Mike plays drunk. This results in a comedic scene that only gets music when Mike walks back to his hotel room. Good night, Miss Heinrich, honey. 
And then it gets a little romantic when Mike and Julia kiss. Dinner and then nothing. You are trapped, Miss Heinrich, Miss Sweets. Good night. When Mike gets to his room, I couldn't help but think that the look on his face is actually a reaction by the actor Richard Widmark to having to do a scene like that in what was perceived as high drama. He doesn't look like he agrees with the scene, but only does it because the director demanded it. This is why Widmark stepped in near the end of shooting to direct some scenes and remarkably didn't ask for director's credit. I think probably John Williams also probably had some demands about scoring the scene so comedically, but when the director demands it, you have to kind of do it. A little bit later, events unfold that cause Mike and Julia to sneak out of the hotel. They can't go out the front door, so they attempt to climb out of the window. I enjoyed this cue from start to finish, and not just because the full orchestra finally goes to work. I don't know why the music ended so early. There is about a minute of movie without music, and then the score returns as Mike and Julia hide in an abandoned building while those mysterious people look for them.
John Williams was also the conductor of the orchestra in the recording sessions of this score, and this scene really shows his mastery of controlling the orchestra. It's one thing to see notations on the music sheets as a performer and know how to play softly, but the conductor is the one who regulates how softly that music is. If the composer is not the conductor, he or she will have input, but the conductor is the true master of this technique. You can hear how the strings and woodwinds stay quiet as Mike and Julia hide in the shadows. I like that flute rhythm about 40 seconds in, too. This gets more tense when they start running again, and the music ends when they confront another couple on the run. One more major piece of music to listen to from The Secret Ways. It comes in as Mike, Julia, and her father are trying to escape this Hungarian prison, which I think is run by a former member of the Nazi party. As I said before, the three are released through improbable means, which includes a friend knocking out the leader of the prison. As we see the three sneaking through the prison looking for a way out, John Williams puts in some whirling notes on violins. Then those notes move to the clarinet as the Nazi soldier is revived, and finally on the cello when the danger becomes imminent. the real fun begins. Interesting choice to score a fight scene with violins and flutes, with trumpets coming in only when someone gets shot. It's not a bad choice, but definitely not a normal one. I thought a lot about what else might have worked musically for this scene, and nothing else seemed to fit. Of course, I'm nowhere near the League of John Williams, and so I defer to his decision here. Brass Instruments was my first inclination, but that would have been way over the top. So, after everyone escapes the prison and manages to get on the airplane, we're able to finally celebrate. John Williams gives the orchestra that ability as well as the end credits roll. I've already told you how bad this film is, and film critics at the time agreed with me. The New York Times called it a standard old-fashioned cloak-and-dagger yarn with a quote, far-fetched finale. They were on the fence about John Williams' music, saying it was quote, tingling and colorful, but then described it as loudly insistent. 
John Williams was able to shake off the mild flop that was The Secret Ways when the nominations for the fourth annual Grammy Awards were announced at the beginning of 1962. The album for Checkmate earned Williams his first ever Grammy nomination, this time for Best Soundtrack Album or Recording of Score from Motion Picture or Television. And when you know it, his best bud Henry Mancini took home the Grammy in that category for the wildly popular album for Breakfast at Tiffany's, which also won the overall Record of the Year Grammy. And that was one of the few albums from a motion picture to ever take that top honor. Honor. Fourteen years later, Williams would get to hold his first of many Grammys, but I'm sure he was itching in 1962 to get the recognition by his peers. He wouldn't get it with the score for his next film, which was ravaged by critics just as much as The Secret Ways. But he still manages to create some wonderful music that continues to stand the test of time. I cannot wait to discuss that with you. And we'll do that on the next episode of The Baton. I hope you'll send me your comments about this episode or any other episode of this podcast. You can send me an email to jeffswim at aol.com. You can hit me at, on Twitter at jeffswim, or you can post a comment on the Podbean app. And I just started getting more involved on Instagram, so you can find me there as well. Thanks everyone for watching, and until next time, the baton is down. Oh,